All right. Welcome to uh, Engagement Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Sewell. I'm really excited to have here Raphael Peace. I've been a fan of Raphael's for several years. Um, this is going to be a very, very exciting episode. So, Raphael, how are you doing today? You know, you want the honest truth? It's pretty hot today. It's so we're, hot. We're in Denver right now, and it's like 102 degrees outside. Yeah, it's cooking. But uh, besides that, life is good. Glad to hear so. it, man. I've been trying to follow you as much as I can on Instagram and your stories. You are always doing something amazing, just deep in it. Depends on the day. Depends on the day, sure enough. <laughs> there's good days, and then there's a lot of weird days. I wouldn't even call them bad days. They're just weird. Weird, yeah, yeah. for sure. So I know you're planning for a big trip. Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, so I go back home every year to Chile from like June to October, depending on how the season plans out down mm-hmm. in South America. But um, yeah, I have this passion project that I've been trying to do for the last four years, and it's kind of evolved from a passion project to a high production grassroots project, which I'm, we're still trying to figure out what that even means because <laughs> we're filming with the best cameras. We're, we have the best post team, but I guess we're just still doing everything human powered and not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars because we don't have that. But um, yeah, that's kind of life right now every day there's a lot of questions i have about that <laughs> so you're going to chile which is normal but you're working on filming super secret project I, i'll <laughs> tell you here when i get back um Sounds, yeah we'll have to do that part two we're we're basically climbing a twenty-two thousand foot volcano no one's ever attempted to do it uh ski or snowboard i've been the only person to attempt to climb it in winter on the chilean side and i've always been turned around due to weather earthquakes uh, political issues or global warming where there's just hasn't been snow in one winter and for like a, a visual like imagine living in Colorado and it just doesn't snow one year no that shit happens in Chile so I can't imagine that yeah it's crazy so June in Chile would be June would be like end of December whoa so there better be some snow it just started snowing, snowed for the first time. You know, June would be like like January because July is like the best month and that's usually February. So yeah. June is January. I like the correlation. That's yeah. a good, it helps us North Americans yeah. figure out what you're saying. Because it used to, May used to be like the month where it snows mm-hmm. a little bit and it, it kind of be a mixture of like November, December kind of in the States where it's enough snow, but it's not safe enough to go and commit over the rocks. But, um, yeah, it's kind of been been tough with the whole climate changing down there. Oh, for sure. And you're one, you know, one of my good friends who is very involved in environmental, you know, advocacy and yeah. all that. It's, it's impressive, dude. So your last movie, Yugen, tell us about that. Um, let's see, Yugen was my first project. Mm-hmm. I'm not a filmmaker. I didn't study film in college. <laughs> I uh, started it as a sophomore in college at 21, and I don't th- maybe I was 21, I don't know, but it was a nightmare project. Like, <laughs> didn't know how to raise funds, didn't know how to hire people, didn't know how to not get sued. I only got sued once, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But Only sued once. Uh, paperwork, you know, I knew how to plan most parts of the expedition logistically, and it goes a lot further beyond that. You know, you have to plan everything, like food, car, travel, weather, 
rescues, insurance, that all that. So we're going into this new project with a more serious tone, um, which does not make it feel anything any anywhere easier. Because we're doing something way more technical, way harder, way higher production level. So it feels like I felt four, three years ago with Yugen yeah. on this new film. But I know we're at a whole different level now. So yeah, it feels right, I think. Well, yeah, your second time doing it. And I won't say who you're working with, but you have a good crew. Well, I mean, I think, honestly, this is where my ego comes into play and I'm okay with it. But... I am super stoked on my crew, and I think we have the strongest crew in the industry right now. And if anyone wants to argue that, whatever. <laughs> Raphael's looking for fights. <laughs> um, it's, we're just a different kind of crew. Like, I told them straight up from day one, we're going to set the new standard for mountain travel, and I know that is a big thing to say, but I don't see many other crews out there doing things 100% human-powered no. where they are not using motorized vehicles i mean obviously you gotta fly it to some degree but um we're carrying all their stuff in and out and more because we're cleaning up everything we're carbon offsetting our travel we're recycling all our stuff sending it to appropriate uh recycling facilities around the world and partnering up with ngos nonprofits, all that and you know it's it sounds like oh that's cool like you guys carry your big 50 or 100 liter bags but the reality is I have to go in a couple of weeks before and shuttle 200 pounds of gear, hopefully not by myself, 60 to 80 miles round trip. I have to go in there and drop off solar panels, freeze-dried food, snacks, tents, uh, cooking setups, gas cans. It's like a lot of stuff. And the whole reason to do that is so then me and my film crew could just go one way when everyone arrives and not have to worry about shuttling gear because that really, that really, really messes up people's psyche. And you, you shouldn't be mentally exhausted on the, on the first three days of a 20-day expedition by having to shuttle your gear in because that's, it feels like you're starting 50 steps behind. Yeah. So I'm going to go in there and drop everything off for everyone. So if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> Raphael's hooking you up. No, that's so thoughtful to go in ahead of time and make it as it's only way palatable to do it. to do it for the people. They're carrying cameras. They're carrying uh, high-level cameras, you know, 10-pound cameras, batteries, mm-hmm. everything. So I don't want to have them work even harder for something that they signed up for. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're getting paid, but it's still – this is beyond, like, what you could get paid for. It's mentally and physically scarring for a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Um, It'll be good. You know, we're doing this 22,000-foot volcano along with five or six other peaks above 16, 17, 18,000 feet. And, you know, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter about the first ascents, the first ascents for me, but it is a big hook in the outdoor industry. People see that. People see big first ascents and descents, and it gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm running with that to grab everyone to come watch the film and actually stay and watch for what really matters, which is a story about land rights, water rights, and uh, environmental and cultural conservation. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the whole general gist of the project. That's awesome. I could hear the passion yeah. in that. That was really great. Yeah, that's what I appreciate about Yugen. Um, you did a great job 
showing different cultures and and showing the shared element of human nature throughout everybody. It was really beautiful. How many languages were involved in Yugen? Nine? Like 12. 12. 12 or 13. But most of them we couldn't even translate because there were such small dialects from certain indigenous tribes and I couldn't find a translator in time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was tough, so I don't even know what the interview said, and I guess I'll never find out unless I truly want to dig up through the archives and find the interviews and go locate someone across the world who could actually translate it proper. Uh, I mean, accordingly to what they said. So that's a very unique problem to have. <laughs> yeah, it sounded great. It did. I don't know what they said, but it felt right, and it, I can't put that out there without subtitles because who knows what they said. Yeah. Well, I never seen the the world premiere last September. That was that was a great movie. I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I you know I don't like that movie at all. But that's <laughs> I'll never like anything I do, and that's kind of where I know I'm going to be sad for my whole life because I'll be proud of what I accomplished, but I won't like it. Yeah, just because I've seen it a million times, and I was there every second of filming, and I was there for every second of post production. So I know how much better it could have been, but no one else knows that. I can empathize with that, Raphael. I mean... I think there's a term for that, like artists who paint or something. It's uh, any, I think anybody who creates yeah, something, right? Cre- the creator is something, curse or whatever. I'll go with that. I'll, yeah, I, 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 I want to say I'm afflicted by it too, but I create a lot of stuff. It's and an obsession. Like, it is. You're like, I could do this better. But I realize if you just get it done, yeah. it's... 90% good enough and it will make the change you want it to see. I mean, I guess it goes in hand with everyone who like, um, if you're a chef or if you are an athlete or mm-hmm. if you run a company, like anything you do, you just try to do it as best as you can. But, uh, there's only so much energy you have. Yeah. And then there's, there's only so many details you could change to where people can't even tell the difference. This is true. <laughs> so yeah. Well, it's good. That's very good. Well, it's been really great watching you uh, progress as a creative and as a advocate and as a snowboarder. You're uh, you're really fun to watch snowboard, man. Like, on a good day. On a good day. <laughs> a lot of bad days lately. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, what got you into snowboarding? Um, boredom. You know, I played cross country soccer, track and field my whole life, fourteen plus years, and was competing at a pretty serious level. A bunch of my teammates on all sports signed like pretty high paying contracts. And uh, I I just decided to kind of move on. I got very burnt out, you know, after playing at such a high level. And it became about winning. Unfortunately, Mm. everything became about if you're not first, you suck. And people let you know that you suck, like friends, family, teammates, coaches, people across the world that you've never met. So after that, I was like, all right, you know, this is stupid. And uh, since I was visiting my family in Chile every year, and my, my Chilean family, they have been skiing since day one. Um, they took me skiing when I was like five or six for a couple of days, and I hated it. But I think it, it was at the age of 17 I uh, tried snowboarding, mm-hmm. did not like it. You're on your ass all day. It's cold. You just don't get it. You're yeah. scared of going fast, falling. You know, it's just normal instincts so I didn't do it for a while after that a couple months and I went again and I kind of liked it Mm -hmm. and I don't think I liked it because it was fun I think I liked it because I had a 
a huge void in my life at the time. Like I just quit three sports where I was practicing six to seven days a week. Wow. Uh, two to three times a day. Like it was 15 to 20 practices a week with my teammates. And I just had all this free time. I was about to go to college and might as well start something new. Yeah. So I guess it was kind of one of those things where I'm not going to say it was meant to be, but it was just the right time, right place, you know, just something to fill in the, the void. I could have become a fisherman or started ceramics, <laughs> like who knows, but um, I got cool family members. So luckily I went snowboarding and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And ever since, um, it's all I've been doing really. I mean, no, it's, it's not all I've been doing, but it's been like a third of my time. And by that, I mean like 150 days a year of on snow. That's a very large number of days on the snow. I mean, I mean, I spend I, more days. I spend two hundred plus days a year in the mountains. Mm-hmm. But you know, you get uh, you get scared off by avalanches, bad oh, yeah. weather, shitty snow, logistics fall apart. So I don't even count those days. I just count those days as like, you know, going outside and looking at the trees, kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, getting shut down, it's humbling for sure. But I enjoy it because <laughs> some days you just want to go home and just like watch Netflix and yeah. What's a better way than being shut down at 5 a.m. and you yeah. get to go back to bed? That's true. But That's um, a lot of days. It is a lot of days. And now uh, I finished my degrees at the university and I've been doing a lot more activism, a lot more speaking at schools in South America, trying to do more, th- more in North America. But it's, it's tough because, you know, I am a hypocrite. I have a snowmobile, a truck, and I fly quite a bit. Mm-hmm. but I barely drive and I barely drive my snowmobile and I try to offset everything with carbon credits and recycle and pick up everyone's trash and advocate, but there's no such thing as perfect activism. There's not. And thank you for saying that. Yeah. You're being honest about it. But I have no problem calling people out. And since, you know, I hate social media, but I use it. Um, it's nice having like 34,000 people reacting to your your words especially yeah. since sometimes it's pretty edgy and people can't handle it um whatever i'm gonna say what i think is right yeah i respect that about you yeah, yeah. i don't care if i lose sponsors for it because whatever if, if you don't care about human rights or environmental rights then you're someone i don't agree with yeah so no, I, I can get behind that 100 i don't support anybody that i don't align with Oh, no, I mean, I don't align with a lot of people, and they're still good friends, but it's just the basics. Like, if you can't respectfully treat another human regardless of who they are and the nature, then, like, I don't get it. If you don't don't agree with someone's religion or or thoughts or whatever, then just ignore them. Mm -hmm. But you shouldn't be disrespectful. No, and uh, no argument's been won on Facebook. <laughs> you know, people like... It's stupid. Politic, it's, it's so cheesy. Well, I definitely... Uh, your Instagram game is off the charts. Your stories and the way... Some you, days. <laughs> I can't keep up with it. It's impressive. Like, it's impressive. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm not an influencer, though. I try not to influence. Yeah. Anti-influence. People should, should find influence... In real life, not on social media. I like that. That's true. Yeah. It's um, good to disconnect from social media, too. Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to grab a beer or go for a hike instead of just message me on Instagram, I'm much more likely to want to do that than have a 
fucking 10 day conversation on Instagram. Oh, so true. I, I am the worst at DMs or whatever they're called. Like, I'll go weeks without realizing I have messages and I'm like, oh my goodness. Why don't you just call me? <laughs> All right. Well, I got a question for you, Sean. Oh, man. Bring it um, on. You know, like as an athlete and my whole life, um, you know, you, you kind of start realizing that your body gets really beat, it gets really worked. Mm-hmm. I've been doing yoga lately. I've been, I mean, my nutrition is so spot on for like most of the time. But since you, you're a personal trainer, you know, you train a lot of people, you own your own company, your fitness company, what would you say that your five biggest tips for an extreme athlete are? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, you're an extreme athlete, so I, I try and pick your brain, what you do, because you're out there doing it. I may be doing it on a smaller scale and doing it uh, for shorter bursts, but... But you spend more time in the gym, so you understand... Uh, that's, that's true. Um, when I gather from the research I read and the people I talk with who I consider are probably the leaders in the industry for fitness and, and recovery, which is probably the number one thing. So I think training smart, not working out. Like working out is great. That's what you might want to do after work if you have stress, whatever. But training towards a goal, like one of your goals or one of my – this morning I trained a bow hunter. His goal is to carry a 40-pound pack in, live in the mountains for four or five days, and best case scenario, come out 80 pounds heavier with meat on his back. I respect that. That's a unique thing to train for. So we train simply and effectively. We use kettlebells and body weight, sometimes a TRX, right? So I guess number one is train smart. Have a plan, stick to it. Number two, eat. So you have your nutrition taken care of, right? Three, recovery. Make sure you get your rest, your meditation, your downtime, your zen time, your your quiet time, staring at the trees, petting the dogs, whatever that is to you. Um, And then support. Support's nice to have. Um, I find support from within or from animals and outside. But if you have a partner or some friends to keep you accountable, that Mm -hmm. definitely helps. So, yeah, I think that's my four. <laughs> full circle or yeah. full square. Yeah, it all adds up. I, I like the last one, the accountability. You, you know, uh, we all get caught up in our own heads. We and do. And you just never have an outsider's perspective of calling you out or congratulating you for your success. You know? Yeah. I like it when my friends do that to me because I have two good friends from high school and, like, we'll do, like, hashtag leg day every day. It's stupid and it's a joke, but, like... <laughs> Like they is every day. Like yeah. I'm either at the gym doing squats and deadlifts amongst a lot of other things. And when I'm not in the gym doing that stuff, I'm boot packing a couple thousand feet or running, you know? So yeah. it's like, like they is every day, but it's different every day and it complements each other. Yeah. You're not in there doing uh, leg extensions on the machine. No. <laughs> you're living life yeah. in your outside. I like that. Leg day every day. I might have to start borrowing that. But uh, it's important. Like, for me, it's been, uh, I guess I view it differently because I I train more specifically and more intensely when I have a certain trip coming up, like Mm -hmm. the one now. It's like, you know, we're doing 50,000 vertical feet or more, uh, negative 60-degree weather, so we're covered in layers of clothes, so you're uncomfortable. Um, But you're carrying a big pack on top of all of that, so I'm training on, like, just pure power and strength instead of just looking good, which is what I do the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of like, uh, I guess it's a shoulder season training, expedition training. The rest of the time it's just staying fit, injury prevention, um, f- mental health, you know, being healthy, 
physically is healthy mentally. So Oh, for sure. Well, you brought up a, a very good point. Something I don't think enough people talk about is like the head game, you know? I think there's a really good quote from, I think, Tony Robbins. If you live in your head, you're dead. Like You can self-destruct because you overanalyze and just derail. But I might have to disagree with that a little bit (laughs) because... Bring it on. The people that have changed and influenced the world the most have lived completely in their heads and they've gone mad for it, but they've succeeded at like such big levels. Do you think they had a lot of heart too? Yeah. Well, of course. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's live in your head, have a healthy living in your head balance, like foot in the door kind of thing. But uh, no, that's interesting. I mean, you spend all day in your head when you're on an expedition and you're in a tent for five days because of bad weather. And it's like you can only read the same book so many times. You can only talk to your climbing partners so much. You know, you got to save batteries so you can't like look at stuff on your phone or, or whatever. Um, so you're just laying there reading nutrition labels on the same 50 cliff bars or whatever, you know, nothing changes. So the head game, I think you need to be comfortable living in your own head or else you'll go crazy if you can't live in your own head. Yeah. But, uh, do you, do you journal at all or? I used to, I mean, I do it sometimes. I used to do it on notes on my phone, but, Mm -hmm. um, then I started changing my thoughts too much because you could really change it. But when you have a little notebook with pen and paper, yeah, then you're like, fuck, I actually wrote that. I'm actually going to have to keep that thought I originally had. And it's a lot more sincere because unless you scratch it off, your original thoughts are, are on paper. Yeah. And uh, I do have a journal book from uh, all the expeditions from Yugen. And then I've had people read them and a lot of people are like, dude, you're messed up. Like, you need to go see a psychiatrist. And a lot of people are like... <laughs> This is funny, like, it's it's not dark, it's not, like, morbid, but it's just weirdness, you know? You're out there for so many days and weeks and, like, three years of filming, and your mind just goes down, like, the rabbit hole. Sure. Um, Spend a lot of time with yourself and your thoughts. Yeah, and, and like, I don't know, I close my eyes and you just start seeing weird things already when you're not even tired and add... 30 days of exhaustion on top of that and fear and happiness and sad and anger. Yeah. And it's like you close your eyes and you just see weird things and then you just start laughing <laughs> or you get angry. And it's it's like being on acid but not being on acid the whole yeah. time, which I've never done acid, so I don't know if that's the right analogy. But well, I've done enough for both of us. It's probably right. You get it, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> that's pretty fascinating. Well, um, so you have this trip going on in Chile to do some pretty amazing stuff. Looking forward to that. When do you get back in the States? Um, you know, if everything goes well planned and no one gets injured or worse, uh, I should be back like first couple days of October, first week of October. Cool. Then we're going full at it post-production for five months. I won't be around for the whole time because I got other trips. But uh, yeah, the film should be out for OR, the trailer, the trailer, the film trailer will be out beginning of January. And then the film tour should start in March, mid-March. I'm not even going with a typical outdoor industry starting in September BS. Because yeah. this is more of a film. It's not just skiing and snowboarding. It's a, it's a documentary, you know. Yeah. It fits every single genre. And we're going to start in March because that's when the film festival circuit begins. 
And yeah, we're going to still do a whole in-house tour starting in fall of September 2020, which I know it's more than a year away, but if you look on my calendar, it's like next week, <laughs> according to how many things we got to do before then. So um, keep an eye out. Um, and there's going to be a lot more projects coming up alongside that. And they're going to get weirder and more political and more, uh, you know, more aggressive in the sense of we're acting now instead of talking about how we could solve things, we're going to be doing them ourselves. Mm -hmm. We don't think we should rely on others to solve all our issues. So we're just going to lead as an example. So if, if you don't like these kind of films, like they're going to get constantly more down the rabbit hole in the way we're going to be way more specific with certain issues. The world's kind of fucked. So we're going to try to change it at least on the film aspect of things. I like that. Lead by example. Or what's the point of even doing this? Like, I'll just go get a normal job. and <laughs> You'll never get a normal yeah. job. Well, Raphael, i am uh, always been a big fan. very excited about what you're doing. And uh, if people want to find out more about you, what are the best ways for them to keep up with you? I'll just say Instagram. Instagram? Because, I mean, you could go, I could give you my URL, Facebook, email, phone number, social security, whatever. Please don't do the social security. But uh, <laughs> Instagram's like... What I'm on the most, I it guess, is. you know, I, I have, and, and on Instagram, I share like whatever my email, my website, whatever we're working on. And like, I, I respond to every single person. I get like a couple hundred messages a week and it takes up a shit ton of my time. But instead of watching all the Netflix TV shows, I don't need to watch. I'll just spend 30 more minutes a week and I'll respond to everyone, even if it's a thumbs up or five paragraphs of advice for gear. But, uh, that's impressive. That's a, I know, I know that's a lot of, uh, most resources. Of the, most of the messages are spam. Not, yeah. not most, but like 25%. So it kind of weeds it out a lot easier. Still. I mean, I know that's, that's an undertaking to respond to everybody. Yeah. I hate it, but it makes people happy and makes me happy and I get to connect with other people. Well, that um, makes so sense. Cool. Your, your business is connections, movements. You're all about connecting. People. Yeah, I know. I, I can't not connect with everyone. So. I got to yeah. lead. There you go. Lead by example. Yeah. Well, Raphael, I'm really excited for you getting this podcast. When you get back, and even during, we can do a remote one, and I'd love to catch up and see how this trip is going. We'll have uh, eyes on you and looking forward to seeing this when it comes out. Yeah, me too. I'm kind of nervous. It's coming up here <laughs> real soon. I've been training as hard as I can, eating as much as I can, but it's hard to put on weight. It's hard to... Yeah. Get much stronger. Not saying I'm super strong, but it's just hard to one up yourself when you've never one up yourself that much. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess we're just going to go into the mountains and see what happens. Makes and uh, I mean, for anyone interested on who the crew is, it's uh, my climbing partner is Tov Henry, fourth generation Chamonix. I wouldn't say psycho skier because he's a good guy, but he's. Super fast, deep skier, talented guy, alpinist. Um, Greg Von Dorsen as DP and photographer. Dude's mid-50s. Not going to tell you his age, but he's lower 50s. He's been around forever, you know, um, mentoring some of the biggest photographers in the game now. He's a great visual person, very technical with everything, great climber. He cl he's pioneered a bunch of stuff around the world. Uh Eric Ropke and Junas Matilla from Finland, those are the other two filmers. And 
the this crew, it's uh, we're all masochists. We like pain. We like suffering. We like choosing things the hardest way possible, just because it makes us happy inside. Masochists, for sure. Yeah, if we start a, a metal band, that's what we're gonna call ourselves, the Masochists. I love it. <laughs> that's a stacked crew, yeah. man. Stacked. And then like, that's just like production. You know, then you got all the musicians, video effects, colorists, like all the editing team and. They're all weird people. It's like we're all the outcasts of the industry, and we're just, I just put everyone under the same tent roof, and we crush it sometimes. Yeah. So it's exciting. I like to hear that excitement. Yeah. It is true. But I'm stoked. Thanks for having me, Sean. And I hope to get invited back when I get back from Chile just so I could cry and complain <laughs> or high five the mic and tell you guys how well it went, you know? Regardless. You're always welcome back. Thanks. You're the man, Raphael. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Sean. Take care. This is uh, Sean Sewell with the Engagement.com podcast. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, check out Raphael Peace. His Instagram is Raphael Peace. Uh, his company is Connections Movement. And um, until next time, take care. <laughs>